Welcome to Babes with Balls, a podcast for the gutsy women calling Australian sport their own. I'm Taylor, and on today's episode, it will be a little bit different. Unfortunately, Sarah was stuck at a work commitment, so won't be joining us in this episode. When we recorded this, it was late January when our nation was affected by the bushfires. Let's wind back the clock to the start of the 2020 Australian Open. We were lucky to have Australian professional tennis star Ellen Perez join us. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm 24 years old. Um, I'm currently living in Melbourne, uh, originally from down uh, in New South Wales, a place called Shell Harbour. Um, I moved to Melbourne when I was 16 to pursue playing um, professional tennis and kind of started doing homeschooling from then and uh, lived here till I was about 18 um, before I decided to go to America and play college tennis. Um, so... I went to the University of Georgia and I did that for, you know, three years and then decided I was going to play pro after that. So I've come back training here and, yeah, now just playing professionally and that's that. (laughs) Well, you did play for the University of Georgia and you left in your senior year. Can you tell us why you decided to leave and was there like a turning point or like a, a special moment in your college career that you were like, I can become professional? Uh, well, I always went in with the um, perspective that I was going to, you know, go for a year and try and go pro. I knew I, playing pro was my ultimate goal. Um, I was just using that as a stepping stone to going pro. Um, and after going for a year, I, I went with a bit of an injury and had surgery and didn't probably get um, as much tennis and the best experience that I was hoping for is in that terms of um, stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stay a second year and see how we go. And in my second year, I did really well. I ended up, I reached sec, uh, two in the country and um, ended up finishing around top two or three in both singles and doubles and, you know, achieved, achieved everything I wanted and thought, okay, well, I am ready to go pro. Um, but then <laughs> I actually signed a lease for a house and was kind of committed with that and I didn't really look into my next steps with going pro and I just thought, like, you know what, it's a bit easier just to stay one more year. And I, and I made a commitment to the team and they couldn't find a replacement for me last second. So, yeah, I decided to stay that third year, but I knew after that it was pretty much going to be my time's up. So um played my third year and then, yeah, I was just ready to make the transition into pro tennis, I thought. Yeah, well, top two in the country is an incredible result. And the funny thing is you said you signed a lease. What, what did your coach say when you told him that was the reason why you were staying? I don't think he knew that's exactly the reason why I was staying. But no, like it wasn't the deciding factor. Like I, I definitely could have just kept paying the lease and gone pro. But um, no, it was more I, I didn't want to let the girls down. I, I loved college in general. Like it, there wasn't any like disadvantages to staying. That's that's sure. I just, yeah. So it wasn't too hard of a decision to stay. It was more that, um, yeah, I didn't actually put that down to the main reason. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, staying another year, you would have also got the opportunity just to define your skills a little bit more. You're working with a great coach. So, yeah, that's so good. But then in 2016, you won the women's wildcard playoff for a berth in the US Open main draw. And this was during your college career, wasn't it? It was, and, and that definitely threw a curveball. And I wasn't really looking to leave after my sophomore year. Like, I knew I'd had a good year, but I, I'd committed to stay. And then I won this wild card, and it was the opportunity to play main draw at US Open. And with that came, I think the prize money might have been about 43000 US, around that. And I couldn't take the money if I decided to stay. And I, I hadn't really started my junior year. I was only, like, 
three weeks into classes. And I was like, well, I technically still could leave because it's very early in the semester and then just not take my third year. And that's when the coaches sat me down like, Ellen, we don't have a backup, this and that. Like they made a few like promise, not promises, but more like we can kind of look at boosters and donors after you leave, all this all this stuff to kind of keep me from leaving. <laughs> and I said, yeah, like I wasn't in a situation such last minute to, to leave. So I, I decided to forfeit the money and just stay for my third year. Yes. Well, the people that are listening, they might not really understand how well the college system works. Can you explain just like the prize money factor? Yeah. So when you're at college, you have to deem yourself an amateur and and being an amateur status is you can't make um, more than you spend. So I'm allowed to take expenses up to whatever the, uh, like allowed to take income up to the expenses that I spend. So for that week, I think I only took like five or 10,000 because it's, you know, your plane ticket there, your accommodation, your food, equipment, that's kind of the only things they um, accept as expenses. And then, yeah, so you can just only take that. Do you regret leaving after your senior year or do you think you've made the right decision? No, I definitely think I made the right decision. I think I was uh, ready. Um, it's it's tough to get, like, obviously there's great tennis at college, but to get that next level exposure and, you know, have those matches where you lose to some someone better and learn a little bit, that, I think that's important. And also to get a lot of practice in, um, you know, college, there's, you've got a lot of studying and you're tired a lot of the time and it's, it's hard to make a lot of time to do those little extra one percenters. So I think in that terms, it's, it's better to be able to go pro. But um, yeah, I, I think I did make the right decision. And do you think you made the right decision going to college in the first place? Do you think it helped you get prepared for the next step? For sure. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't go wrong by going to college. Um, I think everyone that's, you know, outside of the young phenomenon, what these Coco Goffs and whatnot, I think <laughs> they really need to consider college because, you can always go for a year and these colleges now, they offer you to play up to seven pro tournaments in a, in a fall semester, um, which is August to December um, time. When you're obviously in season between January and April, you're committed to the school um, tennis. But you can go and um, they, you can play a lot of college tournaments paid for for free. So you can get everything you really want out of college and still play professionally. Um, and then you can leave and have the backup degree. So there's no real disadvantage going to college to be honest um I I don't see it but um yeah that's kind of my take and I'm not stalking I did see on your Instagram that you recently well completed your degree online confirm or deny (laughs) I wish I could confirm that oh Um, you did it I've been I've been taking classes so I left obviously with a year left to go I think I had about 10 classes to take I'm down to five so I have one semester left oh so so you're almost there that's exciting you've done three and a half years now that's so exciting (laughs) do you find that it's hard to study and also play at a professional level yes and no um well I just going from college you're doing five classes a semester and now it's like oh if I do take a class I have I've only ever done two classes at one time once and then now I've just been taking one class I get it done I can take another class I get it done so it's one class is very manageable and it honestly with with tennis there is a lot of spare time in the afternoons like you do your work and then you come home five six whatever p.m and you do get downtime so it, it, it keeps you busy sometimes I actually don't mind it at times that's so good. But the main draw of the Australian Open starts tomorrow. Can you tell us who you think will take it out? <laughs> Ooh, it's tough. Um, I mean, I, I, I've got to definitely put Ash Barty, um, local uh, favourite. Um, 
yeah, she's playing well. She just won Adelaide. She's got to definitely be a, a top favourite, and I would love to see her do awesome here. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Pliskova's coming off a good Brisbane um, tournament. I think you can't really go past Osaka as well. She has a huge game, has a lot of potential, and if she's on, she's always one to really watch. So I think, um, yeah, I think Ash or Osaka, to be honest, in the women's. Um, in the men's, oh, I think Novak or Nadal, to be honest. Um, Novak played extremely well at the ATP Cup. And then Nadal, I think these courts, the, the new surface they've laid down, they're pretty slow, very slow. And with a bit of heat in the court, they're very bouncy. Um, so I think that will definitely favour Nadal in his game style a bit more. Um, so I would like to see yeah, how he kind of goes over the week. But I'm a big Nadal fan. Being a Spanish lefty, I think that's where I'm going to have to you have to go for him. <laughs> you have to go for him. I do love him. But one of my ultimate favourite players is Rod Federer. And, look, I'd love to see him win another slam. But you're playing with Samantha Stoza in the women's doubles. How did that pairing come about? Yeah. Um, well, me and Sam, we've, I've gotten to know her a little bit over this past year or so. Um, trained with her and um, seen her around at some of these WTA tournaments. And her trainer uh, used to be my trainer. And yeah, he's, he's an awesome guy and they started working together and, you know, that was kind of my connection a little bit to them. Um, and I started asking, like, would Sam be interested in doubles? Like, asked Sam at some of the tournaments before, like at Strasbourg last year. And she's like, look, I'm not playing those tournaments. Just I'm just focusing on singles and whatnot. So I always it was in the kind of the back of her head, um, just that I was, you know, wanting to play with her a bit. And I guess this year she she lost her partner Shui Zhang because of uh, it's Olympic year and the Chinese players have to play with one another. Um, so she was available and I was really wanting to play Brisbane more than going to Auckland and that would be kind of a, a good option for me to be able to go to Brisbane and play with her. And she was kind of looking for a partner and I think she was considering playing a little bit with Ash Barty, but Ash is obviously very much focused on her singles too. So it wasn't maybe the perfect fit if she wanted to play a bit more doubles and Ash is more focused on singles. Um, so yeah, she I asked her about it and she's like, yeah, let me get back to you. And she's like, yep, let's do it. And yeah, we're pretty committed to trying to play most of this year together. Um, yeah, so we'll see how we go together. That's very exciting. And you did mention uh, Olympic year. Do you hope that maybe you both could make it for the Australian pair to the Olympics? That would be awesome. Yeah, it's definitely one of my top goals is to make the Olympics. Um, playing with Sam is definitely a stepping stone and um, and definitely helps my chances of going to Olympics. But, you know, we also have Ash Barty, who is incredible at doubles. And right now there's only three of us um, in the ranking space to go to the Olympics. And, you know, you need a team. Yeah. <laughs> so if in that situation, one of us is probably missing out unless we have um, someone else come into the equations, a fourth player gets their ranking up. So who knows? I mean, the decision's probably more in um, Ash and Sam's uh, hands for who they want to play with and how that kind of unfolds. But for me, I'm just going to go out there, have a try and have a good year of uh, doubles and get my ranking up and see where it puts me. I definitely think you're gonna, you've are gonna you got a big year ahead of you, especially because, well, your net play is incredible. So I think Sam is definitely lucky to be playing with you this year. But she took out the women's doubles, the Australian Open 2019. So she was the reigning champion going into this tournament. Does that put a little bit of pressure on your shoulders? <laughs> yeah, I definitely have thought about that. I, I did make a note to her. I was like, okay, I'm just no biggie. Just got to defend a title here for you. Um but, yeah, I mean, it is a little bit of pressure, but also um, 
I think we don't look big picture. We can't take it match by match. Um, we'll just see who our opponents are and take it from there. I don't think Sam's a type that expects anything too big. She just expects kind of my best. And I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun and just see where it takes us. I don't think end goal of winning the Australian Open has to be a huge factor right now. No, definitely not. It's your first time, well, playing together. But you did say that uh, during last year. I'm pretty sure from memory you actually versed her um, in doubles with Daniel Collins and you took well the reigning 2019 Australian Open champions to three sets. Is that correct? Yeah, we played them first round at US Open and we ended up beating them in three sets. It, it was a really good match. Um, it was my first time playing against Sam in doubles as well. Um, so yeah, it was, it was eye-opening and she's got a lot of experience and um, yeah, me and Danielle played really well but now it's on the other end where I'm playing with Sam and it, yeah, so I'm hoping to learn a lot from her and yeah, that's... Kind of a wrap. Yeah, it's so exciting. But let's backtrack a little bit and let's talk about your early years. How did your, well, passion of tennis begin? When I was really young, I got a, a totem tennis pole for Christmas. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's like a pole attached with like a string and a ball. And I would get out there and kind of s- just swing around and just, I was apparently really good at making contact and had great hand eye and my dad used to play tennis at a very, very social level. Let's not, let's not give him too much credit. <laughs> and he obviously wanted to get me started in tennis when he saw me kind of have a hit of the racket. So, yeah, I went down to, like, a local club and started playing. And me and my brother, but uh, I can't say my brother's too good at sport. <laughs> um, <laughs> he didn't get the genetics, did he? <laughs> no, he's a civil engineer, so he's doing all right. <laughs> he's definitely the brains. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so kind of from there, I just, like, started taking lessons and everyone was like, oh, my God, like, you have so much talent. You, you could really make something of tennis. And I feel like that's – I've heard that all my life. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I started then and just ever since then just kept pursuing it. Yeah, well, not many people know this. Uh, I know the tennis world does, but we actually kind of grew up together in the tennis world, didn't we? And I must yeah. say that – I could tell that you were going to make it far in this sport because you had so much natural talent. You're very crafty, and I was always jealous of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of always been me. I always like to do things the hard way and make it look flary and awesome, and sometimes it's probably an easier option, but that's kind of not me. I'm all about sometimes putting on a show and doing too much. Um, it's probably my curse as well, I guess. It's what holds me back at times. But, um, yeah, I've been trying to work on that, and... Yeah, it's it's that's a that's a big part of my game. Well, talking about putting on a show, Nick Kyrgios, he was the one that kind of urged Tennis Australia to do a rally for relief for the bushfires. Can you mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that? Because I know I saw on your Twitter or was it your Instagram that you did pledge during the summer of tennis um, amount of money for every ace that you hit. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Obviously, Nick started the idea of. Um, wanting to do an exhibition match um, on the Wednesday. And that was awesome. I, I saw that tweet and I was like, that is so that is so smart, like all behind it. I think that everyone should get involved in something. So that's when I kind of came up with the idea of uh, doing the aces for um, relief. And I just threw it out there on Twitter that I'd be donating for every ace I did over the Australian summer. And I then saw an hour later that Nick joined on and tweeted about it and wanted to join in and was doing, you know, 200 per ace. And then, it kind of took off. Um, everyone started joining in from all sports, you know, um, cricket players and whatnot. So, yeah, I saw basketballers even. So it's really cool to see that everyone's got behind it um, and it's, yeah, for a great cause. 
Yeah, it definitely is for a great cause. Well, the Australian Open at the moment, well, a lot of people are talking about it because of the bushfires and also, well, the smoky haze that sometimes sits on the city. Do you think that the Australian Open has come at the best time for the sport? Yes and no, it's come at a great time. I mean, obviously for uh, like being able to give them something different to do and see and take their mind off it, yeah, it's great for uh, the um, spectators' point of view. Um, also, yeah, it does bring in a lot of money and revenue and, you know, players are around and able to see kind of the effects that Australia's having. A lot of these international players might have been a little more unaware and, you know, when they come into the city and they see, you know, the smoke-filled um, yeah, streets, they're like, oh, wow, they really are struggling, you know. So it does it does help raise awareness um, and I think that's kind of a huge factor to why so many players are now donating because they see kind of firsthand what we're dealing with. Um, but then on the other end, you know, it is a bad time because there's so much smoke in the air and players are out there playing with um, in these conditions. And obviously it's, it's never easy. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think it's, it's for the better that it's such a, this time of the year. Yeah. Well, I agree with both ways here. And I also think that it is good because a lot of the players are now using their, well, social media platform to raise awareness worldwide, just because, well, the bushfires well have been devastating. Do you think that Tennis Australia could be doing anything else just to help? Yeah. I, I, well, firstly, I think Tennis Australia has done a lot for the bushfires. I think that, I mean, I think that night raised $5 million. Um, they've got an auction going on. They're, they're putting a lot of money towards all the aces. You know, I think um, Tennis Australia has gone, you know, above and beyond and really tried to help in any way they see um, possible. And um, so they've done a great job. So a few days ago, Tennis Australia brought out the smoke rule. Um, and it's kind of like now the heat rule that when it gets to, well, a certain tolerance, play is suspended. Do you think, well, this is a good option for Tennis Australia to do? Yeah, of course. It's it's a new challenge that they've never come across before. And, you know, it's it's new ground for them. So they didn't really know, you know, what's playable, what's not. But it's definitely needed. And I think maybe in the future this rule will come in, um, into factor again. So it's definitely, yeah, it was something that was needed. And I think that they've put it in place and they're uh, adapted and being able to um, change seeing the situation um, unfold and it, it's been great. So, yeah. That's so good. But let's move on to something a little bit more light-hearted. Let's talk about you as a player and what this next year holds. You've kind of mentioned that you're like you hope to be selected for the Olympics, but what else is on the cards for you? Yeah, um, I've just started working with a new coach, Dave Taylor. Um, and, I mean, this year I've really put my focus into wanting to get my singles better too. I'm, I mean, it's always been a focus, but I, I really starting to believe that um, I have the ability to do that. I played a lot of these girls and, you know, in practice sets and I play with some of these top girls that are in main draw and I, I see myself able to um, hang with them. And so, yeah, I, it is a big push this year to start doing more um, consistent results in singles. I've had, you know, some results where I win tournaments and then I go on a streak of losing, you know, a, a few matches in a row and, I think it's that consistency that I, I lack and I, I'm really focused on trying to improve that. So actually for the start of the year, I, I'm playing a lot of big tournaments. Um, I'm going to a $250,000 tournament in um, Thailand and then I have a few in Mexico and then Indian Wells and Miami. And those are the two, Indian Wells and Miami are the two focus point for just doubles. Um, unfortunately, my singles is a little not high enough right now. So unless I can get it up in time, then I would be able to play singles there. But those are the ones I'm playing to in, with the pursuit of uh, the Olympics and just also playing with Sam and, you know, hopefully just uh, developing a partnership there, whether it's help, 
uh, helpful for our Fed Cup or whatnot. But yeah, definitely want to play more singles tournaments um, and get that ranking up. You did mention that you said that sometimes you lose consistency and you can lose a few matches in the row. Do you think um, you also, well, well, tennis, you have to be strong mentally as well? Honestly, mentally is the biggest part of tennis, I think. I think everyone has the shots and the repetition and can go out there and, you know, sustain a pretty good level, but it's the men- the mental part of it that really um, is important. Um, being able to focus and do the right things in, at big moments and con- uh, control your emotions and whatnot, that's a, it's a hard part of tennis. And, you know, it also means you also have to be mentally aware of what they're doing on the other end as well. Um, so, yeah, it's something I think I need to improve on. It's probably every player probably needs to improve on it at some point in their game. But, um, yeah, with that and also just some of my tennis aspects of my game needs improving too. But, yeah, I, I think players, when they're feeling confident, um, they can have more consistent performances. And when you just kind of get on a roll of losing a few matches, you kind of snowball and spiral. But that's also where the mental side comes into it too. <laughs> so, yeah. Talking about well, the mental side of it as well. Like on a match, there is so many different distractions. What's it like having a massive, well, support crew supporting you, but also like the fans in the crowds as well? How can you kind of switch your brain off it so you don't think about that? Yeah, it is tough. I actually think if I look back, any um, Australian Open or kind of uh, big tournament where there are a lot of people, I haven't actually done too well. Um, Maybe I'm not the best at switching it off. you know, you get out there and when you first step on the court, you know, there's nerves and whatnot. But once you start playing, you kind of forget they're there. Like, it's not – I mean, the biggest part of maybe is what I need to improve on is, you know, I'd like to put on a show. I like to be flary. So maybe I'm trying to impress them too much. Who knows? That's something I still think I need to work out. Um, but, yeah, it, it does play a big part. You know, it's you're not just playing – you're not out there yourself. You've got others watching. You know, there's a bit of expectations – um, so yeah, it definitely is a difficult part, but you know, when you do start playing, you just get a little bit in the moment and you kind of, you do try and forget, um, the surroundings and you just, yeah. But let's talk about your rankings. You've actually reached a career high ranking, well, in 2019 as 162, but do you hope to maybe crack the top 100 this year? Yeah, uh, definitely a goal. Um, that would be ultimately, that's, I think everyone's first stepping point and big um, thing. Like I definitely want to make the slams on my own ranking. You know, that's where, you know, you start to make quite a bit of money being able to get the entry level of the slams. And, you know, that I think once you're in that ranking, you start to play a lot of girls around that ranking and you get more experience and exposure to playing at that level. And I think that's kind of, you know, when you break through is the hundreds. So that's, yeah, that's ideally where I would love to get to. You talked about the wild cards. Do you think, well, appearing in a first round of a Grand Slam really kickstarts your year, especially at the Australian Open? Do you think because, well, it's a big paid packet and it also, like, allows you, well, a little bit of cushion to, like, move around. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. If you ever have, you know, money in the bank and you, it does take a little bit of pressure off you financially and you can go out there with uh, a little less but then who, who knows maybe some people play better with a little bit of pressure and knowing like I need to do well I have like this is this is it I don't you know so I don't know I think it could be each to their own but um yeah for the Aussies it's a great opportunity because you know you get to play with your home um home fans and your back in your backyard and you know you get to play a quality opponent um put yourself in a situation where you know you might not have had before and in the long run, even if you don't win, it, it, it does um, give you a good experience. And um, then maybe down the track when you start to do well, you can draw back on that. So 
of course, I think Australian Open um, is one of the best things for us in Australian tennis right now. But even talking about the wildcard playoff back in December, there was a few controversial comments uh, Sam Groft and a few of the others made that they just thought it came at the wrong time. Do you think it comes at the wrong time or do you think it's good to have it, having it there? Uh, timing has been a huge issue with it, to be honest. Um, I think it is a really tough time that they put it, but I don't have a better solution for them because... There is no better time either. Um, yeah, it's a lot of people, a lot of tennis players um, training um, weeks in that time. And it does hinder you. It makes you kind of um, taper off a little bit or you either train through it and you're tired while playing. Um, that's kind of what I took the approach is I was like, well, yeah, I see that the uh, playoff's on, but I'm just going to keep training. And if if I do start doing well, maybe we consider one lighter day. But hmm. It is, yeah, it is tough. Some players have neglected playing the playoff because they value training more and some players have really put everything into it and and played the playoff. And then they find that sometimes maybe they're a little unprepared physically after the playoff because there's only a couple of weeks before we get kickstarted into the summer tennis. So I don't know, it's tough, um, but it is a great opportunity. We don't really, at the moment, we haven't thought about getting rid of it because it does give that chance to someone who... Um, for example, like a Storm Sanders who has just come back from ten, um, from not playing, being injured, and, you know, obviously wouldn't have been a selection before the playoff, but then she goes in and she gives herself a chance at winning a wild card. So, yeah, it's a tough situation, but for right now I do agree it's it's not the best timing. Yeah, not the best timing. Yeah, that's what a lot of the other players definitely said. But we've got time for one more last question. Who is your inspiration and why? Oh, God, that's tough. I know, it's a tough one. I've put you on the spot here, haven't I? <laughs> it is. Uh, I don't know. Like, I've never been someone to really have a role model and love someone and idolise someone. Like, I guess in the tennis world, I've always just kind of loved Nadal just because, yeah, my background's Spanish and he's left-handed. And, you know, I think I was kind of exposed to that when my family would always go for him and whatnot. But, yeah, I, like... I wish I could say like an Oprah Winfrey or something really inspirational, but I don't really have someone. I mean, I've always kind of um, looked up to my parents in that sense. Like they've been great role models and I always try and um, replicate what how they kind of live their life type of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Maybe I have to work on that. Maybe that's why I'm not making interns right now. Maybe I need to find some inspiration. <laughs> no, don't say that. You're definitely <laughs> making it. And you're still so young, Ellen. You've done so many incredible things. So, nope, take that back. You're, you're killing it. <laughs> but before we go, I've just thought of another one that I was like, oh, I better ask her. Like, it's really like picking at my brain. But currently, well, we're doing probably the best that, we've done in tennis like as a country like we've got what six women within the top 200 we've got a few on the outskirts do you think that has to do with ash barty or driving it and becoming number one yeah i mean there's there's probably a lot of factors i think ash has yeah done an incredible job and she's leading the way in tennis and it's kind of given us a realization that hey we can do that too we grew up with her and you know we see her every day training and we're like, okay, that's kind of like the standard and the environment that we need to set. And it, yeah, it's forced us to kind of come up and, you know, you also see a lot of, a lot of other Australians do really well, like Sam and now Lizette Cabrera having results. And, you know, you, you train with these girls day in, day out and you, you see them beat people and you're like, okay, wait, why can't that be me? And I think that's kind of the, what the Australian girls are now starting to realize in the past. It's kind of been like, Oh, it's, it's a long way off. I don't know. So, having someone up there and, you know, going through it and doing well gives you a lot of a sense of belonging. Um, 
But then I think on the other hand, Tennis Australia has really um, done a lot of good things too. Nicole Pratt, head of women's tennis, um, she'd made some changes and started taking chances on people and creating a really good environment, bringing in some great coaches. And I think all these factors play a huge part. And I think, yeah, it's now, it's great that we've got a good group of girls coming through. And I think over these coming years, I think we're going to kind of make that transition into the top 100 pretty soon. So it's exciting times. I'm very excited to see. Do you think that making the transition from a junior to a professional level is hard? Yeah, very hard. I think um, I actually never played a lot of the junior tour, the ITF tour, and I think I actually do think that's pretty important. It kind of um, sets you up to understand like what the rest of the world, um, the levels at. Uh, it also helps with the transition into going into some of those grand slams that you've played in juniors. You, you've been around the environment. You know most of the girls coming through. Um, and I, yeah, I guess I never really did that. So jumping from like, you know, tournaments in Australia and then going internationally is like, whoa, like who, who are these girls? Like, you know, you, you, it's eye opening. So I guess, yeah, playing as much um, junior events and getting that exposure is important into transitioning. Yeah, well, Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And look, you've got a big career ahead of you. You're pairing up with Sam Stoza this week in the Australian Open. And you said um, so yourself that you've got a few big singles tournaments coming up as well. So we can't wait to support you and just watch to see how you go and how you kill it out there. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I had a lot of fun out here. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Babes with Balls. We're Taylor and Sarah, and you can follow us on Instagram at babeswithballs underscore podcast to keep up to date with all of our most recent episodes. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you soon.